Welcome to In the News for December the 1st. I can't believe it's December already. 2023. I am Brett Birdie from AbsonLaw.com. And this is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD. Hey, Brett. Good morning, Jeff. Wow. It's that time of the year again. I mean, literally, it is December, which is nuts. But I love in your post, we'll get to it a little bit here in just a moment, where where it's like everybody's doing like an end of the year wrap up on everything and all the awards and everything. Uh, but first, just quickly, I know that you mentioned in here, I think, uh, which I thank you for mentioning a, a, a surprise update. Well, not really a surprise. It's really just a security update, right? 17, iOS 17.1.2. I didn't even get a notice about this, Jeff. And it wasn't until this morning when I read your post, thank you very much, that I said, hey, I need to update my iPhone and my iPad. Just a couple of little security patches, it looks like in here, but it's important to make sure you get them updated. Yeah. In fact, it was interesting because in the description of the security patches from uh, Macworld that you're bringing up right now from Jason Cross, he mentions that one of, I mean, it's not him mentioning it, he's quoting Apple, but Apple said something like, you know how when sometimes Apple says that there's a security update, you're like, okay, security update. And then sometimes they right. say there's a security update that was actually being exploited in the wild. Right. Like, oh, well, that's more dangerous because the bad guys are actually <laughs> using it. One of them has a strange right. description here because it says Apple is aware of report that this issue may have been exploited <laughs> against versions of the hmm. iOS before before 16.7. And you're like, well, that's wow. you know, this is, you know, we're in iOS 17 and they're telling you that something was exploited huh. back in iOS 16, but they're fixing it. And I like I, I, the whole thing is a little <laughs> unclear as to when this, exp you know, suffice it to say, let's not yeah. wait to find out whether or not you happen to yeah. be, you know, winning the lottery on having the right or wrong version of the operating system, <laughs> in which case the right. security flaw could be exploited. And, uh, you know, probably a good idea to go ahead and uh and update uh, and update everything now. But again, when I first saw yeah. a news that there was a new update, my first thought was, hey, iOS 17.2, because it's gonna have all these new features in it, but no, we're not there yet. No, it's still at 17.1.2, yeah. yes. You know, speaking of which, I know we've talked about 17.2, but you know, for anybody that is still maybe on 16, because they're a little nervous about going to the, you know, I, again, I know we've talked about this several times, like, okay, it's okay to maybe wait a few weeks, you know, to do a major upgrade from 16 to 17. But by this point, I would say 17 is rock solid, right? I mean, I feel like I haven't seen any issues about it. And really what we're talking about here are just some very minor updates. 17.1.2 is like a point-point type of an update. And again, these are excellent for making sure that you get it uh, upgraded from a security standpoint. And in fact, most of these do apply to like these WebKit, which is the basic backend of a Safari mm -hmm. browser. So that's important to do. Uh, but as you alluded to, 17.2, hopefully within maybe a week or so, we don't know exactly when it's going to come out, but uh, there are a few uh, changes that are going to be expecting uh, in there, which is great. Hey, Brett, while we're talking about picky little details, let's just, because at this point, somebody may have noticed you sound a little different right now, and it's because you yeah. are on special assignment <laughs> in the state of Texas, and it's such I, a big I state <laughs> that you, you, you the voice just sounds different down there. Is that what it is? It's, <laughs> it's, there's miles and miles of Texas here. Yeah, exactly. it's a little so bit more changes, of an expansive. <laughs> so, yeah, traveling, and I got my travel kit, and usually I have a microphone, but yeah, I know it does sound a little bit different on there, but thank you for pointing that out. Uh, as I mentioned... It's that time of the year again, and how about some awards, the apps of the year? We talked about this last week, right, Jeff, that Apple had announced the finalist for the apps of the year award, and now we know who won, which yeah. I agree with, although I think I mentioned this last year, there was, or last week, there was several <laughs> in each category that I'm like, all of those are winners, yeah. <laughs> but you have to pick one at the end of the day, and those are some good ones. 
In some ways, I think that the prior list that came out a few weeks ago of the the semifinalists or the finalists, whatever it was, right. that's that's probably the more interesting list because it's got a whole bunch of apps on yeah, it. Here they and are. what I always think yeah. is interesting about them is, you know, let's just take a look at them all and see if there's anything in here that, you know, might be something that you want to try out. Um, so that's the one that I really, you know, when it comes around to the actual award winners, you know, that's great. And congratulations to those developers. Something sure. to be proud about. Sure. I mean, the one, we should mention the one that won the app of the year is the one that I know that you were pulling for, which is yes. the Trails app that you made one of your well, recommendations. One of two. And, right. you know, it's so funny. <laughs> since the time that you have recommended that app on this podcast, I have run into, I'm not a big hiker, but I've run into other people that really enjoy hiking and they all tell me the same thing. Yeah. Oh, do you have this oil tra- all trails app? It's so good. I'm like, yeah, because uh-huh. they know that I'm interested in iPhone stuff. Uh-huh. So apparently the people that are in the know, if you like to go hiking on trails, that's a fantastic app to get, uh, not only according to Brett Bernie, but also according to Apple. So, you know, what, what finer sources do you need than those two to get that one? So, um, so that was nice to say, but you know, it's always yeah, nice for some of these developers. It was interesting though, on the, you know, to sort of go to the other extreme, the iPad app that won the app of the year yeah. is something that you can yeah. use as I understand it, it's called Pret on makeup. And it's basically like a, an outline of a face that you can use to practice makeup, to see what it would look like on a face. And if you want to save different makeup designs, I mean, that's a very specialized thing. I personally yes. wear makeup, so it's not something that's going to appeal to me, but um, it, it actually looks like for, for people for whom this is interesting, it actually looks like a really nicely done app app so but it's just so funny that you know this it's such a completely different type of app than the hiking app and i think that the no TV app was a completely yeah. different type of you know there's a lot of variety in the winners here that just shows how many different things you can do on all the different apple, apple platforms totally agree with that and back to the all trials app there, that was one of three finalists the others were duolingo which i've used just a little bit but it's a very good app and the other was flighty I used the Flighty app. I used it when I came down to Texas here. I used that to keep track of everything going on. So between All Trails and Flighty, I was like, there could be two winners, right? <laughs> but I am very happy for All Trails. And in fact, uh, I've even gotten a couple of notifications from the All Trails app, Jeff, that were like, hey, congratulations to us, you know, for winning, which well deserved. And it's not yes. even just by the way, not quickly just for the hiking side. Even if I want to walk around a local park, wherever I am, like in Texas, I just looked it up yesterday was like, hey, I want to just go out for a quick walk because we got better weather here in Texas than we did in Ohio. <laughs> and I'm like, where can I go and walk? And sure enough, oh. I can just pull that up and be able to. So it's not just for like hiking or running because it can do running or even the biking trails on there. And that app has really continued to be a great. Cool. But again, to your point from the Pred Makeup, I was like, what in the world? Like how good of an app can this be? But it looks really fantastic on here from the iPad app. And, and I guess in my mind, which everybody knows is a little strange where this comes from, Jeff. I was like, well, there are some apps that are good for maybe like seeing what a piece of furniture might look like in your room. (laughs) And I guess this app is like, what would a certain shade of makeup look like on your face or on Mm -hmm. your lips or a certain lipstick? And, you know, as much as I started reading into this, it's really fascinating to your point that you were saying, just the fact that you could even use something like this to get an idea of what certain makeup is going to look like. You know, we don't talk about makeup a whole lot on this podcast, but not much. <laughs> I, I just like, just like I, I think you said, like just really good that um, uh, we have this breadth of it. The Mac app of the year was Photomator, which is a great from Pixelmator as well. Uh, and then the others, I didn't even know too much about like on the games and the cultural impact. I'm just really glad that Apple continues to do this and just highlight some of these apps on here for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You also mentioned in your post today the top books, the top books and audio books uh, from Apple iBooks, I guess. Is that even still – or it's just Apple it's, Books now. Just I even remember Apple it as books iBooks. Now. 
Yeah. But you know, the, yeah. the fact that you're saying that, Brett, I think actually sort of is the key here. <laughs> you know, when it comes to right? apps, you know, all iPhone apps come from Apple, you know, indirectly from the App Store. So they definitely know right. what the best ones are and the most popular ones. But when it comes to yeah. bookstores, I mean, everybody that I know that reads audiobooks pretty much uses the Kindle or Audible. Um, that's certainly my, my wife is an avid reader. That's what she uses. Dang. So whenever I get it, you know, yep. so that stuff is not being captured here. These are the people that are buying electronic books from Apple and audiobooks from Apple, which mm, I, I yeah. don't know what percentage of the market that they have, but it's got to be a tiny percentage. Nevertheless, having said that, it's still a small percentage of a big universe. So I guess there is some legitimacy to the books they're listing. And certainly the ones that they list as the, some of the most popular books of the years are certainly books that yeah. I have I have heard of. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they might be some of the more popular books. You know, in some ways, however, I feel like this list might be as much as anything, Apple sort of reminding the world, um, hey, by the way, <laughs> you can also buy books from Apple. It's not just uh, it's not just Amazon. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Audible and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But um, so anyway, so but I, I, you yeah. know, again, like any other list, if good you're for some good lists, you can look at this and see, you know, uh, you know, the Britney Spears book and the Prince Harry book are near the top and stuff like that. Right. So. <laughs> Those are so we've done apps, we have done books, and you also link to the top podcast that, mm -hmm. again, to your point, really come from the Apple Podcast app, which we know, even from our own podcast, you know, it is the free app that is available on the iPhone and the iPad. And so if people just search for a podcast or click on a link to a podcast, this app is typically going to open as the default app to open those podcasts, even though uh, you also mentioned, I think, um, I've talked about another app today, and we also use Overcast, which is one of our favorite ones. Yeah. But here are the top podcasts for 2023, according to the Apple podcast app. And this is the one that, you know, my sense of it, Brett, and I'm curious if you agree, is that it sort of falls in between the two that we just described. Um, the Apple yeah. Podcasts app is far, far, far more popular than the Apple Books app. Um, but on the other hand, it's not 100% right. of the market like the App Store is, where all apps go through the App Store, you know, because there there is a percentage of the market that uses other apps like Overcast and stuff like that. Um, I know right. whenever I look at this podcast, you know, for the folks that are listening to you and me right now, um, by far the, the majority of our listeners use Overcast. But I think that that's because the people yes. that listen to this podcast tend to be a little more technologically interested. Whereas I right. think that for more mainstream podcasts, I hear that the Apple Podcast app is incredibly popular. And certainly the ones that are at the top of their list here, I mean, things like, you know, This American Life, you know, NPR and, you know, Dateline NBC and the Daily, you know, some of yeah. these, the, the one that the Daily and the, uh, the one that Julie Louise Dreyfus has, you know, these, these are, I know that these are yeah. very widespread, you know, mainstream popular apps. And I suspect that the apps that the Apple Podcast app has a nice bit of the audience so they actually probably have a pretty good sense of what some of the top apps are the, the top podcasts are but with this list you know we look at the app lists and there may be an app that i've never heard of because i don't i don't look for makeup apps for example <laughs> but when it looks to this right, podcast right. list you know many of these podcasts <laughs> are on subjects that i'm sure would interest me and i have still never heard of them and it just goes to remind you that yeah. there is just so much out there um that is i'm sure yeah. fantastic it's just some pe people haven't heard haven't heard about it yet so um you know it's yeah. interesting well apple only lists the top 10 
shows or the top news shows. So it's possible mm-hmm. that the In the News podcast could be number 11. We don't know. <laughs> possible. <laughs> but it's on there. But there are some good ones, to your point. Like, I know probably maybe three or four of these on the top 10, or at least mm-hmm. that I've, you know, actively listened to before. Like, the Huberman, Huberman Lab is really, really good. Even my wife started listening to that quite a bit. The Hidden Brain or The Daily, This American Life, of course. A lot of good ones on there. And like you said, I like how they break this down. The top shows, the top new shows that came out, and then the most followed shows. And I also like down here, they do the most shared episodes. I found that to that's be really interesting. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool yeah, idea. I liked it. Uh-huh. Like they actually say the the podcast name, the, Ho- the number one is the Huberman Lab, and the t- the episode, What Does Alcohol Do to Your Body, Brain, and Health? And then the second shared was one of the episodes from the Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus uh, uh, Wiser Than Me podcast, Julia Gets mm-hmm. Wise with Jane Fonda. I, I just, I, I liked kind of seeing, you know, how the episodes went with the top news shows on there. Really good stuff on there. You know, like, mm-hmm. even if you don't use the Apple podcast, I mean, you can still subscribe to these podcasts sure, yeah. from Overcast, for example, like we were talking about. Uh, but it's just kind of good to see what a lot of people are being listening to on there as well. Yeah. In fact, it's worth just pointing to that, you know, although Spotify is a way that some people listen to podcasts and Spotify does have its own proprietary podcast that you have to subscribe to Spotify to get. Um, right. I think that they're about the only ones that do that. I th- I'm not the only ones, because I know that there's some niche markets yeah. out there, but yeah. most of the other, right. you know, big podcasts are available no matter what podcast player you use, which is, I, I really like. I mean, I, I like it that, you know, if I if I decide to switch tomorrow from Overcast to Apple Podcast to something else, I like that you can switch around between different podcast players and you're not locked into any one thing like you are in Spotify, but um, so be it. We got apps, we got books, we got podcasts. How about music? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, I, this is like the new thing to share uh, from either Apple Music or Spotify is Apple Music calls their Apple Music replay for the year. And then in Spotify, they call it the wrapped, I think. It's like you're wrapped. In other words, they aggregate all of your listening history over the past year, and then they present it to you as the top albums or the top artists you're listening to and the top songs. And the mm-hmm. Apple Music it's called Replay, Jeff. What? <laughs> how, how did it? How did you fare this year? How did you? You have to go into the Apple Music and you click on Jump In, right? And it takes mm-hmm. you to a website, and then it breaks you down. I, I went and visited mine this year, but let's hear yours first, Jeff. Yeah, you know, it's when I look at these things. Part of it, it's like I understand it, but I don't. Like, for example, it says that I listened to 494 different artists. Okay, that's possible. Oh, it says, okay. It okay. says that the number one artist is Taylor Swift, which actually doesn't surprise me because lots of times when I'm driving in my car, my daughter wants to listen to Taylor Swift, and so I'm, I'm playing it quite right. a bit. And I have to admit, when her new albums come out, I will that's sometimes so listen to them too. So, I mean, I'm not a huge Swifty, but I, I do like Taylor Swift. Um, but it was interesting. Like, another one that came up on my list uh, near the top was Jimmy Buffett. And I know why that one came oh, up, because Jimmy yeah. Buffett passed away this year, and he, he also- did, right. I Ironically, came out with a new album this year, which is actually really good. Um, it, you know, he had been working on it before he passed away. And so just right. the combination of me listening to his new album and me probably bringing, you know, what's the big album, the songs that you know by heart, you know, whatever his famous album was that came out in the yes, 1980s. Right, right. You know, just, just, you know uh, there was enough listening just because of that for it to be near the top of my list, which was um, interesting. You know, and likewise, uh, the Beatles are on my list. And the only reason I know that they showed up is because I probably yeah. listened to that new song they came up with this year. And then once I listened yeah. to that song, it probably made me think, oh, yeah, Beatles. Let me, let me go listen to some of my other favorites. Yeah, go check so, some others out. You know, 
you know, is it 100%? If I was to come up with my own list of the top things I listened to this year, I don't think it would be the same as this. And I'm not even sure. Yeah. I don't know how Apple counts. Like, for example, they also have your top albums. And I don't even know how they count an album. Did I have to listen to all of them album? It looks like maybe I just had to play like a few seconds of one song on an album for it to show up. I don't I don't know how it comes with the statistics. So part of me questions the accuracy. But regardless, it's a fun yeah. way to sort of stroll down memory lane. And I like the fact that I could look at a song oh, and yeah. say, oh, this song makes, reminds me that, you know, last spring something was going on. I was listening to the song a lot. So um, so I enjoyed it, even though I don't necessarily know if I 100 percent agree with it. But but what do you think of yours? I have some similar feels about it, Jeff. So I had 723 total artists. I don't even know how I had that many. But mm-hmm. l- l- let me tell you as well, because uh, I, I mentioned several times. I probably do most of my listening on Spotify just because the family has Spotify and that's what we started on and everything. But there are specific albums and some music genres that I like to go to Apple Music because of the spatial audio, right? I got my AirPods Pro and I I can tell a difference and I would rather listen to it a little higher quality or that spatial audio in Apple Music as opposed to what I can't get on Spotify. (laughs) My top is Taylor Swift and I would tell you, that's my top artist. And I would tell you why, because she released the 1989, right? Taylor's version not too long ago. And I can tell a difference in Apple Music. Yeah. I feel like it sounds more well-rounded than it right. does in Spotify. So even though, you know, I, and I know my daughter was also <laughs> probably like yours, Jeff. That was Taylor Swift was her number one. I think she's in the top 1% of listening to Taylor Swift, which is really, that's quite, <laughs> that's quite amazing. But it's like, I know that I would want to listen to the new album and I would switch from Spotify over to Apple Music just because I wanted specifically to have um, that, you know, that more well-rounded. And so I can see that. Even in some of my top songs, uh, which uh, Taylor Swift is not my top song, but it's a, a group called Rival Sons. They had a new album, and I just like the way that it sounds better in Apple Music. So, you know, I can see that reflected in sort of my top songs on this. The only other thing quickly that I would say uh, that I can see from my Apple Music replay is um, – uh, well, by the way, also a couple of jazz albums, right? I like the the way that it sounds when I'm listening to jazz. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that confuses me here a little bit is I still have an, you know, I came from the old iTunes music library, right? Before we had Apple Music. And I still have some albums that I had either purchased through there and I downloaded locally to my computer or to my phone. And I still will synchronize some of those local albums. I don't know how Apple Music counts that because I can see huh. on some here, some of my albums are those locally downloaded albums that I know goes through Apple Music today because it's the only app. I don't have an iTunes app anymore necessarily on the on the iPhone. But I can know that some of those albums, I didn't actually go into Apple Music and search for it and find it that way, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think it's all kind of wrapped into one, but some of that was a little confusing to me. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, I didn't go into Apple Music and do that. I just went into my downloaded library and listened to it that way. And it looks like that Apple Music just kind of counts that as part of my listening uh, components on there as well. Uh, But, you know, to me, it's just that it was just that's still kind of an evolution of that odd, awkward aspect that we were living in with the old iTunes library. And then we have the Apple Music, which is all, you know, streamed now. So just a little bit interesting on some of that. Let me ask you a question, Brett. I've heard, I know that yeah. Spotify, as you mentioned before, they do something similar at the end of the year called Spotify Wrapped. They do. Um, and yeah. um, in fact, they did that before Apple started doing the, uh, the replay, although Apple's been doing replays for right. years now. Um, I've heard some people that subscribe to both services say that they feel like Spotify 
just does a more interesting job of surfacing different things you've listened to over the year and stuff. And, you know, that's sort of one oh, of yeah. the, uh, I mean, I, I'm happy with Apple Music for a casual music listener like me. It's fine. But, um, you know, it's much like people say that sometimes Spotify has even better, you know, playlists and stuff like that. So I'm just curious, since you've now looked at both Wrapped and Replay, yeah. uh, what do you see advantages and disadvantages? What, what are your thoughts comparing the two? Spotify is definitely better. I think that uh-huh. the, it just it, 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 the way that they present the information and the way they they collaborate with everything. And frankly, I think that's just because uh, they can they can do a better job of of like tracking. I don't know if that makes a little sense. You know, Spotify never had sort of like, like iTunes library, you know, that local library or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so they've always been a streaming first. Um, there's even kind of an ecosystem. For example, my daughter has a separate app that I think she paid five bucks for, which really just gives her constant Spotify analytics <laughs> on what she's listening to, you know, even and then comparing it to other people. So it, Again, it, it, I, I, I think Spotify is a lot more well-rounded than what, like you, like you said, they were the first to be doing this. And I think Apple is getting better. This year is much better, I think, even than Apple mm-hmm. Music had last year on some of this. They just call it replay. But I, I, don't, I don't know what it is exactly. Apple certainly has the, um, the ability, I think, to make this a little bit better. But, you know, we just know even from numbers and surveys that they, you know, are the second. Uh, Spotify is still number one of what most people are listening to. And I think until Apple maybe can get a few more folks on board. I know that sounds a little silly because the wrapped is in the replay is what you specifically are listening to. But those are just my thoughts on it. I mean, I, ju- yeah. I just know that Spotify has been doing it a lot more. And I, to me, it's much more enjoyable to look at the Spotify wrapped. They have a they have a lot more animations and things around it, and then they can mm-hmm. compare it through even throughout the year. So anyway, a little bit of a better experience in my mind. Yeah, I've heard some of those same things that you're saying right now from other folks too. So um, and you know, in some ways, it reminds me of the Google Maps versus Apple Maps. There was no question that in the very beginning, yes. Apple Maps yes. was far behind. But over the years, they've gained, and you know, we're now at the point today where there That's are right. definitely things that Google Maps does better. There are also some things yes. like the graphics and stuff that I think Apple Maps does better. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Apple continues to, and I'm sure that they will, because I think Apple is very interested in music. If they continue to do even more to get Apple Music as good as Spotify is with some of those things, so interesting. Agreed. Speaking of Apple's money, they could pay for probably some better access to Apple Music, but they could also mm-hmm. uh, possibly uh, afford some additional satellites. Mm-hmm. Or even if they don't have their own satellites, maybe they can afford to have people just continue to use access <laughs> to their satellite. Uh, I know we've talked about this several times, and I love the fact that John Gruber apparently came out this week. You linked to him, where he is pretty much saying some of the things I remember saying last week. It's like, why should Apple stop the free access to their satellite service, the SOS via satellite service. We just talked about a story last week where somebody was saved because of the SOS satellite uh, access that iPhone 15s and 14s have. It's like, why would Apple start charging for this and potentially mean that somebody doesn't purchase it and then they don't get saved? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to be morbid about it, but I like John's uh, points that you link to here that, uh, Maybe Apple is just going to continue to give another year for free, another year for free, and then eventually at some point just make sure that it's free. I hope that that's the way it goes. Yeah, I've mentioned in the past, I think that if Apple can find a way to charge for specific services, like the ability to send just, you know, regular text messages, not emergency text messages via satellite, I could see them charging for that. Yeah. But when it comes to like yes, the life-saving exactly. stuff, 
Um, you know, I think uh, the, the second thing I linked to from John Gruber was a, this was a real world story where a woman, yeah, uh, you know, her she, her car was stolen in a carjacking. Um, it was a Volkswagen. And so she was trying to figure out where <laughs> yeah. her car was. And um, because because there was a toddler in the back of her car and, um, you know, she hadn't paid the hundred and fifty dollar fee to to, to, to to Volkswagen. And so when they did the, the, the police called Volkswagen to find out where the car was located through the GPS system that's built into the car, they're like, well, right. you know, if she pays the fee. We'll let you know where her child is. Like, come on, you know that, that's just such PR, such horrible PR for a company to have to say something like that. Absolutely. And I can't imagine that Apple would ever, ever want to be there. So I think that John's right. I think that Apple will find a way. Um, but at the same time, when Apple first turned on the service, they they probably had no idea how much this was going to cost. I mean, are people going to be using this every single day so that it's going to cost you know yeah. billions of dollars, right. or is it right. just going to be right. something that's not used right. very often? So you know, I think it makes sense that when Apple originally uh, sold the iPhone 14 and now this year's iPhone 15, they told people what you had two years for free, um, and you know, just were silent on what happens after that. But you know, hopefully Apple now understands it and and can you know monetize it appropriately so that they don't have to charge people for the service because nobody wants to have to you know, am I going to have to decide to pay right. and how much would it be right. five ducks and you know am i going to agree to pay this just in case i get in the situation um you know hopefully apple will do the right thing and uh, i agree with john on this yeah very good how about running windows on your iphone <laughs> not something that you typically would hear and i know that some people use some apps like i know specifically you mentioned you use log me in to be able as a service to be able to access like a windows computer maybe at your office or your home uh but microsoft seems like they're supporting this a little bit even closer by offering an app now for iphones and ipads that you can just start running Windows, even I guess through the cloud, right? I mean, yeah. on my on my Mac, I've done Parallels and VMware. Uh, I stopped doing that because it was just so much of an overhead. But I would be interested maybe in looking at this from uh, a Windows app that maybe specifically can run Windows in the cloud. Sounds a little silly, but I think it's possible. The reason I linked to this is just because it was a funny link. You know, the idea that you can purchase <laughs> Windows as right. an app in the App Store just struck me as funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, the reality exactly. is what, what's actually being sold here, exactly as you said, is you are controlling a remote virtual Windows environment hosted by Microsoft. So that, but when you're looking at your screen, what you're seeing would look as if you were looking at Windows. I mean, with the start button yeah. and you know everything else. So it would look like Windows. You could run Microsoft Windows apps, um, but you're not literally running them locally on the machine you're just it's just that internet's now fast enough um and the screens are, are nice enough and stuff that you can actually you know remotely control another machine but what it what it looks like it actually does look like you're running windows i mean i tell you you know I, there's different types of remote mm. software that i've used on my ipad over the year i use log me in i've also used citrix uh microsoft has another one called azure but uh, as you're how you pronounce right. it but you know yeah. when you're in a full screen mode if somebody looked over your shoulder they would see my iPad screen would have from corner to corner, it's running windows because it's running right. the windows of the computer that's located, you know, somewhere else in the world that I'm just remotely controlling. But for all intents and purposes, I've got a keyboard out. I've got a mouse out. I am running windows on my iPad. It's just wow. not, not local. And the reality is it's sometimes useful because there are some things that I cannot do yeah. just using the iPad right. app and I can do yeah. it very quickly in windows. And so I will just jump into windows and do it. So, um, but you know, that, that's the service that I, I've used for remote access, it looks like now Microsoft is going to be offering that even if you don't have a secondary computer, or even if your company doesn't have a virtualized environment, like a Citrix or an Azure environment, um, you could just get the Windows app and just have this Windows yeah. computer that you control on your iPhone or your iPad. So, you know, for, for some segment of the population, this will be exactly what they need. 
but it's also it kind of started funny. blowing my mind. Oh, yeah, that's also a yeah. headline. <laughs> I like it. it. It kind of blew my mind. It's like running Windows as a service or in the yeah, cloud. Yeah. But then I started remembering that many times what I'll do, Jeff, in a similar way, is I'll on my iPad, I just open up a browser and I go to office.com. I log in with my Office 365 and I have access to an, basically an online version of Microsoft Office, right? Mm-hmm. I can open up Word and Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoint and I have probably about 92, 95% of the functionality of the desktop software, but I'm just running it right in a browser. And, you know, people have been doing this with Google Docs and Google Drive, you know, for many, many years. But, right. you know, at first I looked at this, I'm like, Windows as a service, come on, that's too much. But then I'm like, whoa, you know, we have Chromebooks, they kind of pretty much do that whole aspect as well. It could be online. And so, anyway, this got me excited now that I thought through it a little bit more on there. Yeah. Could be interesting. We like our Apple Watches. <laughs> and so apparently does Ben Lovejoy now uh, at 9to5Mac because it his Apple Watch helped him to stop stressing out about insomnia. This was a great story that you linked to today. Yeah, this was really interesting. Ben was, I mean, thank you to him for opening up about his medical condition. You know, I didn't even realize, for example, that apparently there's two different types of insomnia. There's the type that you have trouble falling asleep, which Ben does not have. And then there's the type that you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't get back to sleep, which he does suffer from. And he was talking about how he learned that when he started to wear an Apple watch to sleep, it would help him in a number of different ways. One of which was that as soon as he woke up, he could just lift his wrist and instantly see what time it was and, you know, not have to, you know, wake himself up enough to figure out the time right. and to go back to right. sleep. So, and, and I know, I mean, even though I don't just to stop right there, even though I don't have insomnia, I have, I don't often wear my Apple watch to sleep, but sometimes I do. And the, I don't like doing mm. it because it means you need to find time to charge your watch during the day. But what I do like is that thing that if you, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and it's just really nice to just glance at your watch. I mean, Absolutely. That's, that's, that, is yes. it that hard to glance at a clock on the side of your bed? I don't know, but it's just, I, I, I like it. I find it easier. Um, so that's one thing, but he was also describing some apps that would help him in the middle of the night. Um, and I guess you could use the built-in um, breathe app that Apple gives you too, just to sort of like calm yourself down and try oh, to get yeah. yourself into a, into a stage where you're sleeping. And, uh, and as he described, sometimes that was enough. And if it's not, then he might go, you know, wake up and walk around and do something and then come back. So, you know, he goes through all the details of it here, but I just thought it was, you know, it was a, what a great use of an Apple Watch for, I mean, it is a medical issue, not that it's a, a medical device. I know Apple's always worried about calling it a medical device because of the FDA standards and stuff, but it's definitely helping him with a medical problem. And much like, you know, the more mundane thing of if you diff- have different medications that you take on different days or different times of the day, the Apple Watch yeah. is phenomenal in helping you to remember what do you have to take? When do you have to take it? I mean, right. these are sort of medical adjacent, really useful things that you can do with this with this very powerful little computer strapped to your wrist. So I really enjoyed reading this article. For me, it's become more of just an awareness component, Jeff, because I did not wear my Apple Watch to sleep until I got the Apple Watch Ultra. And even then, it was maybe a few months after because uh, mm. I knew I had the battery. And sure enough, right. in the morning when I do wake up and take a shower, I can charge it just for that amount of time. And it usually is good to go for the next day and the next night on there as well. But now in the morning, Jeff, I, I have – and I, I'm inspired by this story. So I, one of my, my in-the-know tip will be similar, similar to this as well. But I have it overnight, and I have a sleep schedule set on my phone and my – and my watch and you can see the screenshot that he's got here this might be from napbot but in the sleep app alone or in the health app that has the sleep component in the health app of the iphone and the watch right it right. tells you how long you've been awake overnight how long you've been in rem sleep and core sleep and deep sleep and frankly 
just having that awareness and be able to track that. Now, I'm not tracking it for any kind of like, you know, training system or anything like that, Jeff. It's just the awareness. It's like, am I tired today? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I didn't quite get enough deep sleep. And sure enough, I've even found it to like certain foods that I've eaten or if I had alcohol the night before, something like that. Like, it's just kind of nice to have that knowledge perspective, Jeff. And for me, that's been great. And my wife has been doing a lot of the same thing. And so every morning, we're like, how well did you sleep? Well, let me check how well I slept and I can tell you and we can go into the into the health app. And it just, you know, just having that knowledge, I think, has been uh, very helpful for me from that perspective. I don't suffer from the insomnia aspects like what Ben is talking about here. But for me, just reading this story was so inspiring that how helpful it can be, because I think he mentioned somewhere in here just quickly, Jeff, to in this is that he, when he would wake up it would almost perpetuate the stress because he would think he would only, he would be awake for like, you know, half an hour and then it's an hour and then it's two hours, but he can glance at his watch and see, actually, you know what? It's only been, you know, 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and you're good. Like, it's okay. You don't need to stress out about it. And that kind of information alone, I think would also be helpful on that stuff as well. Can I say one more thing before we leave the topic of sleeping on Apple watch? um, You know, it was about a month or two ago, I was talking and you and I talked to the podcast about this, about the standby app and getting like a special stand. Mm-hmm. You know, the stand that I'm using is by, as my, uh, on my night, night table right now is the, is the high rise three deluxe from 12 South. But one of the big differences yeah. between what I'm using now and what I had been using before is before I had been using just sort of the regular, something that was just the regular Apple watch charger with the five volt or whatever, you know, it was like the, the, the traditional speed. Right. And now I'm using the faster, it's got a faster Apple watch charger, the one that you would need USB-C for. And the difference, if you've got a modern Apple watch, um, the fast charging on an Apple watch, which is something the iPhone supports as well, on it's really nice. I mean, it used to be I would put my watch on there and come back 10 minutes later and I would get like a little bit more power. But now that I'm using this product, which supports fast charging, if I put my watch on there for 10 minutes, I get a substantial amount of power um, enough that, you know, if, if you're if you're going to be managing your Apple watch's power because you want to wear it during the day as well as during the night, definitely take advantage of a fast charger. It makes a big difference for modern Apple watches. Yeah. Agreed. This next video that you linked to, Jeff, made me go to my phone, my Apple 15 Pro, <laughs> and double check to make sure that I had an actual Apple legitimate iPhone 15 Pro. <laughs> I watched this video in here that you linked to from Ben Lovejoy again, right? 9 to 5 Mac, and I'm like, there is no way that is fake. It, it, so explain, explain what's going on here, please, because I was trying to figure out, like, where did this fake phone come from? And why and how in the world can it look this good? According to somebody on Reddit, they purchased an Apple, a, a real iPhone, and somebody, you know, took their iPhone from, and from Apple, stu- right? They purchased uh, well, it, yeah, from right, Apple, from Apple, and somebody stuck a fake iPhone in there. So that that's the story here. Um, but okay. you know, so hopefully that's what I, I mean. I, I guess that's true. But I also know independently wow. that there are places in the world that you can just buy a phone that they may claim it's an you know you're not buying it from Apple, you're buying it from a guy in the street, and they may claim it's an iPhone and it looks like an iPhone, but it's not really an iPhone. But as you said, this video is really interesting because on first look. It really does look like an iPhone. You can't like tell. The, the, you the can't tell. It looks the same. Right. The apps look the same. The colors look the same. The case looks the same. And it's only when you start to dig deeper and you notice that, wait a minute, this font's a little off. This feature doesn't work. And uh-huh. then in, this, in this video, he completely takes it apart. And even at the end of the video shows, for example, that although it looks like titanium, he's like, I'm going to put a torch next to this. And if you torch titanium, <laughs> it turns blue. And this thing right. doesn't turn anything. It just melts. So it's some sort of you know cheap aluminum. Um, 
Um, but, you know, you and I can look at this wow. video and laugh and say, wow, they did a good job, but it's not quite the same thing. But I got to tell you, you know, right. if if my grandmother looked at this, she would not be able to tell oh. you know, that this is not the real thing. So it's it's just fascinating to Crazy. see how sophisticated these fakes can get. And there must be money to be made here. I mean, nobody would be going through the trouble of making something that's so close Absolutely. to an iPhone unless they thought they could make some money off of it. So, you know, what what a window into something that I just did not know was as big of a deal as I guess it is. Wow. As first I glanced at this and my skepticism came out, I'm like, okay, this is somebody that tried to order a cheap version of an iPhone from eBay, thinking they were going to get a good deal. And it wasn't, you know, I, I, I could explain away why somebody got a fake phone, but the way you explained it, why I emphasized it there is like, I think somebody ordered this. Maybe, maybe it was from an official, you know, AT&T or Verizon or Apple, wherever it mm -hmm. came from. But apparently the time between it got shipped and the person received it, somebody switched out this phone. And I just was watching this. I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm going to be able to tell <laughs> the difference here. And Jeff, I'm like mesmerized at this. I cannot believe how closely this resembled and thank you to this uh the 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 youtube channel is a fake or no what was the re iphone repair I phone repair guru is who uh, ordered this and he goes through really and does a good job of kind of comparing both of them but oh my goodness jeff like even at one point he said he did this apparently for the iphone 14 pro and he said you can immediately see because the camera in the back looked a little bit different right there was something weird mm. but he goes they've improved it whatever they did for the 15 <laughs> it looks so close now that unless you really have that trained eye even the packaging well except, apparently because they switched out you know in the box and, and made a difference there but it's like unless you knew what to look for he's even using ultraviolet light here <laughs> you know, or black light to be able to see like some of the stickers and stuff like that i don't have that to check i didn't check that i just trusted what my phone gave to me but I don't know how to trust this now on this, Jeff. This really freaked me out watching this That's video funny. today. That's funny. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Okay. Well, we'll link to it so that you can also watch it. And uh, I guess caveat emptor, you know, beware <laughs> when you're buying on there. <laughs> Last thing quickly, uh, I thought, okay, well, Jeff's going to link to another nice little, you know, Apple ad, iPhone ad. And, you know, it'll be nice to kind of watch this and uh, see what happens. And uh, I think I had to wipe away a tear at the very end, Jeff. So thanks again for the daily tear jerker, <laughs> the little video here called The Lost Voice. Well, thank you. Thank you to Apple for coming up with such a good film. And, you know, they, 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 they a lot of money went into this. They hired, I'm going to get this name wrong. Is it Taika Waititi? Is that how you pronounce his name? The famous director so. from, I guess, New Zealand. Uh, I know him because he was, but he was both an actor in that uh, HBO show called Our Flag Means Death, but he's a, he's a director that's okay. directed a ton of films and stuff like that. Um, the, the video is a little trippy at first, but then when you see what's going on at the end, and I don't want uh, to, oh. to ruin too much about it, but they, they did it yeah. right. And, and they yeah. even, they even involved this guy who I wasn't familiar with, Dr. Tristam Ingram, uh, yes. uh, Ingham, who apparently is yes. a pioneer when it comes to disability advocate, advocates and stuff like that. Somebody who himself is suffering from a condition that he may lose his voice. Um, you know, what this video talks about, though, we've been jump, sort of jumping around it, is there's this yes, feature in right. iOS 17. And, and I, I remember a couple weeks ago when I got iOS 17, I was sort of playing around by holding my iPhone next to the microphone as if it was my voice. Once, once you um, train it in iOS 17, which takes about 15 minutes, you can then either either type any sentence or you can like scan a paragraph and, you know, use your iPhone camera to scan it and, and copy that text and then just hit a button right. and it will speak 
in a voice that sounds very much like your own voice. It's <laughs> weird. And I'm not saying that most people would be fooled, but it's pretty close. And so, and the idea is not to fool somebody. The idea is that if you found yourself in a condition that for one reason or the other, you lost the use of your voice, as long as you right. had preserved it in your iPhone, you would be able to, you know, press buttons and type and have voice um, right. a, a voice right. appear that's pretty similar to your own voice instead of just using a generic voice. So, you know, it seems like why not do something like this, you know, and it's sort of fun to play with, um, but it's a very cute tearjerker uh, video that, you know, it was one of those things that I wasn't sure what was going on and then I got to the end. I'm like, oh, yeah. and then I had you, to watch yeah. the whole thing over again. You so. say it's, yeah, you save it beautifully. I think you, you said it looks a little trippy at the beginning, <laughs> but just wait until the end yeah, uh, and yeah. then it all makes sense. And then you're like, yeah, I remember you did that voice, Jeff. You you did your podcast greeting <laughs> one one episode with that. And I was like, I mean, I could tell you because I, I figured I knew what you were doing, but I thought that that was really cool. Mm -hmm. In the know, as I mentioned, I was inspired by that Apple Watch story from Ben Lovejoy on Insomnia. So here's my tip quickly on this. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to the actual tip saying that you have to actually set up your sleep schedule in your iPhone or for your watch. So I did this a long time ago. Time ago. That's not my tip. <laughs> so I, I can't give you the exact uh, steps on doing this, but I'll link to the article in from Apple, track your sleep on the Apple Watch and you sleep on the iPhone. You basically go in and the way I've done it, I remember I set up like a goal, like I wanted six and a half hours of sleep every night and I wanted to be in bed by 10 p.m., something like that, right? So, and then it, it calculates it all out for me and then it says, do you want to actually put on an alarm for the time when you want to wake up? And so in my case, I think it was like, you know, 4, 43 or whatever the case was on here. So I set that up a long time ago and that's part of the thing, the setting up your sleep goal. And then it translates it onto the Apple Watch as well. So I have this set for almost, I think I've got it for all seven days. You can set up different schedules if you want it for the weekend, different schedule for the weekday. So all of that is setting up your sleep schedule, which I find, again, to be very helpful. Except for the fact that there are some mornings or some nights I'm going to bed, Jeff, and I, like, I don't want to get up at the time that I typically have set the alarm for every morning sure. when it goes off. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there are a couple of quick ways that I will just say, skip my wake up alarm for the next morning. Like I'm going to bed, I know I'm gonna sleep in and maybe it's the weekend. I don't wanna go through and rejigger the entire sleep schedule, but I can just get on my watch. And if I go into the alarm app on my watch, this is the way I normally do it, I can look and set a separate alarm if I wanted to. Sometimes I will. But at the very top, it has my every morning wake up alarm. And I can tap on that and I can just say, skip for the next morning, I think it's, or it says skip for tonight. So in other words, it just pauses that alarm for that next morning so that it doesn't go off. Um, I love using alarms on my watch because again, I wear my watch overnight to bed now. And instead of having my iPhone sitting on my, my nightstand and having it, you know, jump at a song or something, I love the alarms on the Apple Watch because it's like somebody just tapping me on the wrist <laughs> on my arm. There's a little nice uh, uh, chill sound that comes with it, but it's like beep, 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 beep. It's just like somebody go pet, tap, 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 like, hey, hey, excuse me, excuse me, time to get up. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. The second way that you can skip your alarm, if you will, or if you want to adjust your alarm, 
is that if you go into your Apple Watch and go into the sleep app on your Apple Watch, there's a little alarm clock in the upper left corner. Uh, this is, by the way, where you can also see how much time was spent in the core sleep versus REM sleep, that kind of thing. But if you tap the little alarm clock in your sleep app on the Apple Watch, you can go to your wind down and you can adjust the, the, the setting of how, you know, when you want that alarm to go off. Or you can just say, I want to skip it or I don't want it to go off for the next morning on there. I typically just go into the My Alarm app on my Apple Watch and I just say skip for tonight, and which means that the alarm does not go off that next morning, but that's okay because I knew that I typically just want to sleep in or something like that. So set up your sleep schedule on your iPhone or your Apple Watch and then just some quick ways to skip that morning alarm if you wanted to sleep in or you know you had something else going on that day. Good tip. Here is Jeff's and the no tip for today. Take it away, Jeff. Thank you, Fake Voice, for introducing me. Um, thank you, thank you, Jeff's Fake Voice. <laughs> my uh, my tip of the day is I have had some apps recently Ooh, when I copy okay. something and you go to paste it in the app, and then you get this dialog box that says, you know, your app is trying to paste something from somewhere else into the app, and it's like, oh, it's so annoying to do. Um, but there's a way I, I learned recently that there's a way that you can, you know, stop yourself from getting these paste permission requests all the time if you go into the settings for the app in question. And the one that I was doing it all the time for is called Parcel, which is an app that I use okay. to track packages coming towards me. I would often get an email that says, "Here's your FedEx or your UPS or your post service tracking number." So I would copy the tracking number. I would open the Parcel app and uh, I would hit the plus button to put a new package and I would get this pop-up, you know, do you want to paste? And I know what it's trying to do. It's trying to be safe. It wants to make sure <laughs> right. that nothing's being pasted without my permission. But every right. time I open the app, I want to paste something <laughs> or just about every time. So that's fine with me. So I learned that if you go into the settings app and then you scroll to the bottom where you find that particular app, this one happens to be called Parcel, right. there is a setting that you can actually say, um, you know, allow uh, allow pasting from other apps is what it's called. Not oh, every app okay. has this setting, but apparently a number of them do. And so if you find that there's a particular app that you use, such as Parcel, that often says, you know, do you want to paste? there's a way you can go ahead and turn you know make that decision once period and then you won't have to do it over and over and over and over again um i saw somebody post this tip on mastodon about a week or so ago and ever since i saw it it's like oh this is just such a relief when i use this app so i just wanted to share the love if you're getting annoying alerts like that oh that's great um, you know look into the settings app to see if you can turn them off I don't even know which app does this now because I might see this like once or twice a month, Jeff. Mm -hmm. And then I just dismiss it because I'm like, I don't, I don't have time to do this. But now knowing this, thank you. I can now the next time that it happens, I know exactly how to go and turn this off because I don't see it very often. But there are sometimes, yeah. especially if I'm pasting on my Mac versus my phone or my iPad, you know, it'll ask that. I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want you to ask anymore. So thank you. <laughs> I will. That's a that's a great tip on there. Ooh, okay, that's a lot. And thank you for joining me today. Um, Maybe by next week, we'll do 17.2. We'll see what happens over the next few days. Uh, but until then, we'll talk to you next week, Jeff. Thanks, Brad. Bye-bye, everybody.